0: Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over.
1: Here's Paul Calvisi, Hollywood, Hollywood, and Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury!
2: Mr. Ron Wolfley, have you heard this scientific term? New for 2022 TikTok
0: brain. No, I have not, Polly. It's a
2: big story in the Journal this week. Researchers have actually done brain scans to confirm that TikTok brain is real. Extremely real, Ron Wolfley. <laughs> it is, and I quickly define it. The dopamine rush of endless short videos, which makes it hard for young viewers to switch their focus to slower moving activities. Oh and it results, goodness. as you might imagine, in a decreased attention span, plus a human who's easily distracted
0: wow Polly. you know what honestly uh i am distracted and i know you know that i am so distracted yes. so much of the time for so many different reasons but it's not because of tiktok Pau.
2: yeah I, I, you you are ahead of your time um you know it's not just kids <laughs> it's not just kids who suffer from as i read here uh making it harder for kids to sustain activities that do not provide instant and constant satisfaction
0: yes Polly. no and i bring
2: I bring this up not only because of its relation to you, Ron Wolfley, even though it has nothing to do with TikTok. Once again, you are the outlier in the study, okay? You are of the course. anomaly. Uh, I bring this up because I feel like maybe I'm suffering from TikTok brain in that, <laughs> in that, everything that has gone on since the last edition of the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert right i mean this last edition we were on the air we're talking about stinking mock drafts and think of everything that has gone down that feels like so two months ago and it was only a matter of a few days yeah
0: a couple of things on this paulie number one um i don't know about tiktok but your forehead's big enough to play tic-tac-toe that much (laughs) i do know okay Uh, that's number one paul and I would also say, yeah, there has been an awful lot that has transpired, has there not, And the NFL Draft and the Arizona Cardinals. And will this be a different team than a year ago? Yes, indeed, it will.
2: And we will hear from their first-round pick, ostensibly, in Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Hello. Acquired from the Baltimore Ravens. In fact, you know, I mean, there I was on stage, Wolf, at the draft party, and all of a sudden, in the year you know, in the year piece, they're like, bull, bull, bull. "We just traded for Marquise Hollywood Brown, and he'll be here in a matter of moments."
0: Paulie, did you, you did you believe that honestly? I mean, it, when you first heard that, because when I first got the text, I was like, "Knock it off."
2: I thought, well, I believe. The trade, I was pretty sure I believed the trade. I thought when they said he's going to, like, it would be via satellite up on the jumbotron. I didn't know he'd actually <laughs> be there in person, which he was a matter of moments later. And you know what? Uh, the next day we had a chance to sit down with Marquise Holly Brown, and we're going to hear that, okay? Yeah, uh, right. Momentarily on the Big Red Rage. But there's been some news in between. And I'd rather take forehead jokes all night than read the following that DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended without pay for the first six games of the two thousand twenty two regular season for violating the NFL policy on performance enhancing substances.
0: Your reaction, Ron Wolf. Yeah, Polly, what a bummer this is to actually hear this. Um Listen, there are guys out there, they put a lot of stuff into their body. They do the best they can to get in shape. I have no idea the particulars, of course, what DeAndre Hopkins and what it, what it, what it means and what it says about him and his career. I really don't. I just know this. The fact is, Hop is not going to be there for the Arizona Cardinals in the first six weeks of the season. That's what I know. How does that change the dynamic of this team? I I don't know, Paulie. We're going to find out, but man, I don't know about you. I'm really, really happy Marquise Brown is here. That much I will tell you, and not some rookie wide receiver that they drafted number 23 overall. Yeah,
2: you and the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. In fact, here's Coach Cliff talking about Marquise Hollywood-Brown, and just the fit in this Cardinals offense that has a lot of similarities to Oklahoma.
1: The more playmakers we can have, the better dynamic guy who can take the top off inside, outside. And, you know, I think he's just scratching the surface. Uh, We really feel like he fits what we do, played in a similar scheme in in college there at OU with Lincoln. And uh, so it should be a, uh, a quick learning curve as well.
2: And you know what? An astute observation, Wolf, this isn't some rookie where you're going to wonder, is he going to be regular season ready week one? There have been plenty of rookie receivers who look great in August and then failed to produce in September. You have no idea till regular season games get going. But that is not the case with Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Not only a proven thousand-yard receiver, but obviously has a few years in the league, has familiarity with the playbook, has instant chemistry with the quarterback, so to what degree do you think it will be plug and play?
0: Man, Yeah, that's the question, Paul I really don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what they're going to do. I suspect, Paul, and this is my own suspicion, nobody has told me this, but I suspect we're going to see a lot more 12 personnel, Paul. You know the way I feel about this. I've talked to you about it before in the past, right? 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, two wide receivers, in rundown situation, first and ten, and second and one to six. That rundown situation, I think, is going to be the biggest evolution of this offense going forward. Twelve personnel, more two tight ends in rundown situation. Now, whether that's Max Williams and Zach Ertz, or whether that is Zach Ertz and Trey McBride, uh, that remains to be seen, Paulie. But I do believe we're going to see a lot more of that, and because of it. You could build an argument. I, I, don't, I don't agree necessarily with the argument, but you could build an argument that Marquise Brown is going to be more. He's going to mean more because of the run-by guy that he is over the top than what D-Hop would actually provide in terms of actually being that much better than A.J. Green.
2: And by the way, for the record, the media did ask Cliff Kingsbury whether he was going to run 13 personnel now yeah, that he I has. all
0: saw that. Three.
2: And so we'll see if he's sandbagging or not uh, out of necessity. We'll see. You know, Marquise Hollywood Brown thinks he escaped the Ravens offense, and Greg Roman, maybe not. The first six games, Cardinals might be running three tight ends. We'll see about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, right now, I cannot wait to see it. When D Hop <laughs> does get back, when he does get back, oh my goodness, look out. Yeah. Because what, what Marquise Brown brings to this offense is exactly what they need. And it's not just a track guy. It's not just a guy who's wanted a 4-3-5. It's a guy that is a good wide receiver who will catch the ball down the field if you throw it up to him. Oh, my goodness. That is exactly what this offense needed.
2: By the way, coming up, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, I do ask him, uh, how fast are you? because, you know, a lot of people think that he's definitely a sub 4'3 guy if he would have been healthy coming out of Oklahoma with a foot and he would have run at the Combine, which he never did. Quentin Harris, the VP of Player Personnel this week on the PASH podcast, and he was just talking about what lies straight ahead for Marquise Brown here with the Cardinals.
3: Hollywood's opportunity, he's going to have more opportunity here than he did in Baltimore, so I think that's the biggest thing because, you know, even though we do uh, have a solid run game, we're going to throw the ball around. We're going to use four. Wide, five wide at times. So, you know, the opportunity. Sure. If you're a receiver, you want the ball. Um, so I think it was, it, it. you know, the difference in offenses for Hollywood is, is going to be uh, very good for them. Look, uh, Paulie, this just Paulie, no, all, go ahead. All,
0: all you've got to say, Paulie, is this right here that Marquise Brown has never played with a wide receiver like D Hop. Never. Not that much I know. Okay, yeah, you're not going to have him for the first six games. Okay, there's 11 more after that, by the way. So Marquise Brown will never have played with a guy the caliber of DeAndre Hopkins. That's going to help Marquise Brown. Forget about the fact Marquise Brown is going to help Hop and Zach Ertz, especially when they're running that short to intermediate stuff over the middle of the field in particular oh yeah he's gonna help them a lot provide a lot of aid comfort and shelter loosen up that secondary no doubt about it but you gotta remember this is a guy that had 91 receptions himself for over a thousand yards this is a guy that is super explosive on the outside who can hold up on his own um what is d hop gonna do for marquise brown when he gets back
2: well You had Lincoln Riley, now the USC coach, on this week, a 98.7 FM Arizona sports, and you just asked him about Marquise Brown, right? And just his ability as a receiver, more than just a burner and a speed guy. Here's Lincoln Riley.
1: Everybody sees the speed. Like anybody on earth can see that this guy's pretty fast. But on top of it, most people aren't able to track a ball running full speed down the field with another guy hanging all over you. Most most people can't track the ball at the level that this guy can. And so it's a cool conversation
2: who throws a better deep ball oh. kyler murray or lamar jackson
0: kyler murray and lamar jackson would tell you that yeah.
2: and and here's the other thing that i liked hearing from lincoln riley because i listened to that interview wolf and and he's not the first one to say it that marquise hollywood brown is a competitor this dude this dude <laughs> is really competitive in practice <laughs> He's all in. He cares about it a lot. He's he's all ball. I mean, he's really into football. And if you if you get to know his backstory and how he he spent a year at a junior college and just the way he defied the odds to end up at Oklahoma and the NFL, uh, you know, I think that matters. That it matters to him to such a big
1: degree.
0: Yeah. No, you're right, Polly. And again, I wonder what this offense is gonna look like. Um I love the signings, of course, of the offseason. I love all the tea leaves, so to speak, that we're reading right now and where the offense is headed and where all of this information and the signings actually point to. But we're going to have to wait and see, Polly, because it's yeah. not going to look the same until D-Hop obviously gets back.
2: Yeah, and this just didn't. The Cardinals didn't look good on offense without D-Hop. Yes. and last year. And that is a fact. And Coach Cliff keeps taking the blame. And maybe rightfully so. But was it really the play calling or was it more the lack of playmakers? And so we'll see. Sean McVay had to evolve his system, and he did after a three-game losing streak, and it took him all the way to the Super Bowl. So now it's in the Cardinals' offensive coach's court, and they got to try and figure this out. And by the way, uh, a little bit later we'll talk about Mexico City. That was the other headline this week. Cardinals, Niners, week 11, Monday Night Football. That'll be Thanksgiving week. How about that? And season tickets available now at State Farm Stadium this year. Matchups include Rams, Seahawks, yes. Bucs, Saints, Chiefs, Chargers, Patriots, and Eagles. How about that? Go to azcardinals.com slash season for more ticket info. Marquise Hollywood-Brown next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert.
3: Jackson on first down, wants the throw, going deep.
4: Looking for Hollywood-Brown, And zone, touchdown, Hollywood-Brown! surprise surprise he is a guy that makes sense for a number of reasons number one uh two years of controlled costs uh getting a dynamic receiver who's played inside outside obviously the chemistry with our quarterback and a guy who can be a dynamic vertical threat which is something we were looking for as well as i had a very strong feeling that the board was going to fall the way it did and i'm awfully glad that we made this trade
2: yeah steve keim wasn't kidding. It was a surprise all around. Not only did the NFL but Cardinals Nation. Yours truly. I was up on stage at the draft party and in a matter of a half hour Hollywood Brown was on stage with yours truly. <laughs> it seemed and you're still smiling. I mean here we are and you're still smiling. Man, just this has been all good all around for you, hasn't it? Yes, it's been it's been
5: amazing. It's been fun.
2: Um, by the way, the owner was up on stage, and I should get this out of the way right off the top. He was uh, consistently calling you Hollywood, okay? Yeah. But that's Michael Bidwell he's the owner. Can we call you Hollywood? Do you like being called Hollywood?
5: Oh, yeah. I have no issue with it. Uh,
2: yeah, you can call me Hollywood. <laughs> Considering you have a necklace on right now that says Hollywood, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it's good for business. But that, that nickname didn't come until Oklahoma? Yes. Because before that, you were known as? Jet. Jet. And that was obviously based on your speed, right? Yeah, I've been
5: getting called that since I was like eight years old. (laughs) So how did Hollywood come into play? Uh, Gus Johnson, the announcer, called me that. It was a game I broke the school record. had like 265 yards. And from that point on, everyone just called me Hollywood. So I kind of just embraced it. (laughs) That's good. That's good. So what sort of surprise was
2: it to you? Because I told you we were on stage, and mm-hmm. they're talking in my ear, and they're like, the trade just went down, and, oh, by the way, he's going to be here in 30 minutes. And I'm like, wow. And uh, mm. how long did you have to hold on to that secret?
5: Uh, for a few, couple days uh, was holding on to it. I mean, it was in the works for some quite some time. You know, I, I knew it was a possibility that it could happen. But when I finally knew that it actually was going to happen, you know, it was kind of – it was kind of hard to just keep it, keep quiet. Because you had to keep it from Kyler as well? Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> What's the reaction been from Kyler? We know he sent the uh, text messages, Steve Kime, with the yeah. fireball
5: emojis. Uh, yeah. How about with you? He's excited. Uh, we don't we don't talk to each other like 30. We, even though we've been spending the last two weeks with each other, we've been calling nonstop because it's actually done happen, <laughs> so we're both excited. How close are you to? Uh, we're very close. Um, Kyler was like my host when I when I took my visit to Oklahoma, and since we got there, you know, uh, he wasn't a starter and I wasn't a starter, so we worked together from the, all the way through. So we, we're very close. And you guys have been throwing in Texas this off season? Yes.
2: Nice, nice. So how much chemistry is there already? Uh, it, once yeah. you get into this season, you know, you get into training camp, I mean, how much chemistry have you guys already navigated down that learning
5: curve? Uh, a lot of chemistry. Uh, he knows how I think. I know how he thinks. I know what he what he likes. So I'm uh, excited. I think it was uh, 10 of his touchdowns
2: in his Heisman campaign went to you. Mm-hmm. And his tweet was, let's run it back. Yeah, definitely. Okay, is that plausible? Is that feasible? Is that do How realistic is that, that you guys can
5: recapture that sort of production? I think it's very reasonable. I mean, we're far from college, and we're even better players than we were back then. So I think we just got to get to work and really see how, how we could do it. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, our guest
2: here on the Big Red Rage. We are the GM, Steve Kine, with his scouting report. Uh, you tell us about your play. What can Cardinals fans expect from Hollywood-Brown?
5: Uh, it's been a lot of big plays. I mean, I play with a lot of passion, uh, a lot of excitement. And, you know, however I I, I got to do you know, to help the team win, I'm definitely going to do it. How fast are you? I know
2: it's a simple question, yeah. but there's not a simple answer because you didn't run the 40 at the combine. Yeah. So,
5: I mean, what? how do you answer that when people ask you? I just say I'm very fast. and They're like, how fast are you? What's your 40? I'm like, I don't know. I ain't, I ain't never get to run it, so I don't never got to run it. So we're just going to keep it a mystery. I've <laughs> seen speculation, though. If you were healthy, you would have
2: been a sub-4-3 guy. Yeah. Accurate? Definitely. Definitely accurate. Okay. Yeah. So how does that translate in, into a game for example um i've heard it said also you loosen a secondary and i remember jj nelson was a 4-2-8 guy played for the cardinals a few years ago and he said he'd break the huddle he'd go out to the x receiver and the dbs would literally say hey don't run that four-two-eight now and they <laughs> back up they take a couple extra steps do you yeah. literally witness yourself
5: and your speed in the scatter reports loosening a secondary uh yeah definitely i mean since i've been in the league I, you know, I'm probably up there for the most cushion in the league. Uh, guys don't really press me that much, and it opens things up for everyone. So I'm so happy that, you know, I'm part of this, this group because, you know, we got guys who can attack on all levels of the field. So it's going to be very hard to contain us. How familiar are you with this offense, just from your Oklahoma days? Because Cliff Kingsbury said, it. you know what, we run a system that's pretty darn similar to Lincoln Riley. Yeah, definitely. You know, they come from the same tree. Uh, you know, I, Texas Tech recruited me. And you know they was they was uh had a good run, and I'm pretty familiar with you know already mm-hmm. the stuff I've been hearing is is pretty similar. Did Cliff joke about that that he tried to recruit you at Texas Tech? Oh uh, yeah, he <laughs> he said you know it's uh he glad that I'm finally on his team and not have to play against him. <laughs> that's right. I think he said the same thing with Kyler as well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good. Hollywood Brown, our guest. Uh, considering
2: this offense versus a Baltimore Ravens offense, that look, I mean. Lamar Jackson, obviously dynamic. But Mm -hmm. I think of the Ravens' offense, I think of a run-first, run-heavy offense, a lot of tight ends. How much more potential can you unlock in your own game just
5: based on this scheme? Yeah, I think I I haven't even showcased anything I really could do in the NFL yet. Like I said, I'm such a guy, you know, that – Whatever the team asks me to do, I'm going to do. And that's what I did in Baltimore. You know, I was happy with my time there. And, you know, I'm very excited of the potential that I can I can do in this offense.
2: And I, I'm guessing you're looking forward to Kyler's deep ball. He throws one of the best deep balls in the league, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Are you strictly an outside receiver, or do you see yourself as more versatile than that?
5: Yeah, I'm, I can play all over, wherever they need me. Really? Yeah. Okay. A little All quarterback right. action. <laughs> <I average. laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. I mean, you know, so you consider this offense a very good fit. Yes, sir. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, and how familiar do you think you'll be with it? Will there be, you know, a learning curve through camp, or are you going to be good to go? You think by week one?
5: I think I'm going to be good to go. Uh, no, it's my it's my job, my priority, so I'll be good to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet you're looking forward to the sunshine in Arizona. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely didn't like the
2: cold, so I'm I'm happy about that. I've heard you're also very competitive in practice. True or false? Very true. Where does that come from?
5: Um, Just growing up and, you know, uh, my ties with A.B. Just you want to practice how you really want to play. So when I'm in practice, I envision myself, you know, when I catch this slant, I'm going to take it to the end zone. Even though we might be practicing at the 10 down here, I'm going to take it to the end zone because that's what I'm going to do in the game. So just bringing that energy so when you in the game, it makes it a lot easier. So as a guy whose
2: Twitter handle is primetime underscore jet, what was it like to fly with Michael Bidwell on the team plane?
5: Oh, <laughs> uh, it was crazy. Um, he flies it himself. So, you know, just – Getting up there and seeing how everything went down was was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty amazing. There's yeah. no
2: doubt about it. I mean, uh, you made it to the draft party, and now you're here to stay. So, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, we look forward to it. Congratulations on everything.
5: Thank you. I appreciate
2: you guys. There you go. Hollywood-Brown here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, back right after this.
4: The Arizona Cardinals select... Trey McBride. Cameron Thomas.
5: MyJ Sanders.
1: Trey McBride, the pick up. It collapses, and
2: down he goes. Throws Carlos Dave, and a traffic nearly picked. And then McBride with a catch
1: on the sideline.
2: Swung down by Cameron Thomas.
1: Not hurt on this one either. Cam Thomas.
3: Big hit from Big hit from My J. Sanders.
1: Oh, it's a three. Colorado State's got themselves a first down to try. He's going to score a touchdown for Colorado State on the fake punt.
2: Your day two picks, rounds two and three. Get to know them. They're going to be given every single chance to figure into the rotation, effective immediately for the Arizona Cardinals 2022. Welcome back into the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, special thanks to Marquise Hollywood-Brown. And, by the way, uh, great to hear from him. We obviously heard from him the morning after the Thursday night first round, so that was less than 24 hours after the trade was official and before the DeAndre Hopkins news so just an FYI on that one. Some of the quick takeaways, Wolf, uh, I don't know what stood out to you, but you know, he confirmed he's, he's, his word was definitely when I asked him if he's a sub-4-3 guy. He was very bullish on trying to recapture that chemistry and that productivity with Kyla Murray. Uh, I liked how he cited that, and, and he talked about this a little later too, the analytics that he's been up among the league leaders for most cushion in the league by DBs. In his words, how it opens it up for everyone else in the offense, which is exactly what the Cardinals had in mind when they traded for him, I presume. And then the last thing is when he said, you know what? I haven't even had a chance to showcase what I can do in the NFL yet.
0: You know what, Paulie? That, to me, was what resonated the most with me. All I could think of was DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sorry. I know that he's not going to play for the first six weeks, and that really does suck buttermilk. There's no other way to cut it. It does. Yet at the same time, that to me is what I'm so fascinated. Listen, Marquise Brown is suddenly going to change what the Arizona Cardinals are going to be able to do, even when he doesn't get the ball, Paul. Yep. (laughs) Even when he doesn't get the ball, he's going to impact what a defense is going to do to defend DeAndre Hopkins and Zach Ertz, especially over the middle of the field. He's going to open up a lot when he doesn't get the ball. But when he does, and this is what I was talking about, he's an excellent option to get the ball himself, to get open, to run by people, and suddenly throw the ball down the field. What is D-Hop going to do for Marquise Brown? That's going to be something that he's going to have to get used to because he's not had a DeAndre Hopkins opposite of him.
2: Yeah, win healthy when they have all their weapons. I think this fulfills Cliff Kingsbury's original vision of forcing a defense to defend every blade of grass. You now have the burner over the top. You got DeAndre Hopkins and maybe A.J. Green working the sidelines. You have two, maybe three tight ends going in at the seams. You have a Rondell Moore all over the place, laterally maybe, crossers, what have you, maybe more downfield. But you really are able to stretch that defense, not unlike uh, Warriors or Suns, right, where you stretch the floor and you try and make a defense you know, uh, play to every single square inch of space out there. And and when they have that complement, and, and that's a big reason I presume zoom they went after the tight end in round two and trey mcbride we heard some of the highlights right there dang so steve kime was asked for a scanner report because i think we were all earholed by that nobody saw a tight end coming in round two of this draft here's a general manager
4: people ask what do you like about him i don't what's there not to like about him you know special human special player rare stats obviously over a thousand yards receiver as a tight end 90 some catches Uh, The guy can do it all. He can play in line. He can flex. He can motion. He can play out of the backfield. He's got tremendous hands, great catching radius, uh, really strong in a crowd, characters off the charts, three-time captain, phenomenal leader, and um, just thankful he was there.
2: And if they're not willing to give a timetable on Max Williams... And there's true uncertainty there about yes. when he might be available, then that makes even more sense why they went Trey McBride in round two.
0: Yeah. And once again, I'm sorry, Paul, but it it signals a paradigm shift in this offense. Away from eleven personnel and more towards twelve personnel. That that doesn't mean they're not gonna use eleven personnel. <laughs> Don't I mean hear heed my words and hear them well. They're gonna use three wide. They are going to do that. But this is going to we're going to see more 12 personnel, two tight ends. You're not going to sign Zach Ertz as a free agent, which was very very cool when they did it. He's going to be the move tight end, but you're not going to sign him to a 3-year contract, Paulie, and not play him. He's going to play. You're not going to draft Trey McBride even though he was the highest player rated on your board and not use him. Well, guess what? Trey McBride, what's so cool about him, he can either be your stud tight end, line up where Max Williams typically would line up if Max isn't ready to go, or if he's still rehabbing, maybe Trey McBride is going to get the opportunity to line up and be the stud tight end, or he could be the move tight end, the H. He could be the Y or the H, Pauly, and that's the great thing about it. He could either start at either one of those positions, or he could back up either one of those positions, or both, Paul.
2: Yeah, I've had multiple people in the war room confirm that, Wolf, well, that they love the fact he can play in line, he can flex out, he can go in motion, they can put him in the backfield. He ran a 4-5-4-40, so he has that athleticism. Plus, as Steve Kime also said, it is a pick for the future. Zach Ertz in his early 30s, Max Williams in his late 20s. You got a guy in line was the same age bracket as a Kyla Murray and a Marquise Hollywood Brown, so okay, there's your core uh, of, of guys. And, and so that's a Trey McBride who came from Colorado State, and that was in round two. Then in round three, the first pick in round three, Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State, six four two sixty seven, a second-team All-American. And here's Quentin Harris, VP of Player Personnel, on the Pash Pod when it comes to Cam Thomas
3: cam he's super athletic and what you loved about cam is you loved his interview you loved the intensity but and you love the way he played the game and also with cam is he showed some ability to put his hand in the ground and play some of the five play some of the outside backer stuff due to his athleticism so uh, we really loved his motor his temperament
2: yeah the word is huge motor in caps oh, Huge i want to hear motor. All out effort is what they say about this guy. Production off the charts. And look, when it comes to Cameron Thomas and my J. Sanders in this round three, to me, it was production over projection. They went with guys who actually posted numbers, even though my J. Sanders didn't finish a number of sacks, and we'll get to that in a minute. But with Cam Thomas, man, the numbers are there.
0: Yes, Polly, and this is what I love too. What you just said right there—the fact that you've got this production over projection—I. Uh, I love it. Um, Kyle Vandenbosch, as a matter of fact, was talking about this very thing, how he wanted to see the Cardinals draft guys with a high floor, (laughs) which is a great way of saying it, as opposed to a high ceiling. Give me a high floor. This is what this guy's baseline is going to be right here. And I think they really did that in this draft. I'm going to be really interested to see how they're going to use Cameron Thomas, of course, and how often they will stick his hand in the dirt and bring him off the edge. But you have to remember once again, one of the strengths of Vance Joseph was the fact that he was he was a master schemer, Paul. The ability to actually bring 5, generate pressure with 5, complex pressure packages. That's one of the reasons why he became a head coach up in Denver, because he built this reputation for being a guy that could do that. Well, in 2020, as I've discussed, where Chandler Jones had one sack in five games, the Arizona Cardinals finished number five in sacks per attempt. Ask yourself this, why did that happen? They had some talented guys that were involved in rushing the passer that... You know what? Scheme-wise, that's all they needed. They needed a break, and that's what Vance Joseph gave them. This is what I think Cam is really going to benefit from, Cam Thomas, is the fact that he's going to be in this high-pressure scheme, bring five. You just don't know which five are coming. I think these guys, Sanders and Thomas, have a chance to contribute.
2: He said, he told the media, quote, I'm an edge rusher even though he admits he does have the potential to move inside to a five-technique when and if needed, okay? And then there's myJ Sanders. So whereas Cameron Thomas has traits of a J.J. Watt, a little bit, few traits, and he wore, he wore number 99, they look at a J. Sanders and they say he has traits of... Of a Chandler Jones, just in terms of the body type and the length, 6'5", 240-something. He has those long arms. Once again, Quentin Harris on the Pash Pod talking about the round three pick out of Cincinnati. Maje, you
3: look at his numbers, you're like, hmm, they're kind of ho-hum. But if you really study the tape and you really study how disruptive this guy is, uh, with Maje, you're getting a guy that uh, is a tempo setter, um, plays with his hair on fire, uh, tons of upside now he's gonna have to work on finishing rushes because uh, he missed about seven sacks just because he's you know he, he plays with that tempo and that effort so there's little details that all these guys need to work on but specifically maje is just gonna have to just to slow down a little bit yeah
1: here's interesting Mike.
3: Go ahead,
2: Bob. His, saying, his his sixty-two total pressures, real quick, led the conference. But if you're looking, mighty did have more sacks? I found that interesting when Quentin Harris said there he just didn't finish enough.
0: What's so amazing about Sanders to me is he is long and he does look like a young Chandler Jones. Okay, and I would tell him right now, go ahead and just rip every pass rush of Chandler Jones. Watch every every pass rush. Of Chandler Jones. That's what I would do right there if I were my Jay Harris. I would do that thing right. I'd watch it and study it because he's long just like Chan was. You know,
2: it's interesting. Also, Kime had cited how he played his best games and the biggest games. They got to see him against an Alabama. They got to see him against a Notre Dame and go against guys like an Evan Neal. So that film goes a long way when you play at Cincinnati, and they can see you against a Notre Dame offensive line, that sort of thing, and they can see how disruptive he can still be. Now, Wolf, real quick, I mean, they have a need opposite of marcus golden how realistic feasible and doable is it that one of these two guys could actually be part of a rotation on the edge week one
0: you know paulie on the edge i think week one there's a real possibility that yeah they're going to contribute they're going to line up and i could see one of them starting week one i could see that on the edge in certain third and obvious pass situations or just obvious pass situations period i could see that paulie once again because you're going to scheme a lot of your pressure. There are three ways, basically, to get pressure. You scheme pressure, you've got coverage sacks, or you're just better than, where you line four guys up and you just get to the quarterback because you're better than the five guys trying to block you. I think the Cardinals are going to have to do it via scheme. And coming off the edge, Paul, for the most part, it's a pretty simple thing to do. And that's one of the reasons why I think a rookie that is going to truly play the edge... I think we'll be able to contribute because hey, it's line up and go get the quarterback. Let mom and papa take over.
2: Would you agree that if there's a time time sign between now and camp, it's going to come at edge rusher and or D tackle?
0: Yes, yes, I think defensive tackle, maybe even corner poly, maybe even something where bringing a veteran corner and Robert Alford, I could see, I could see that happening, and I would do it. There are some other guys that are out there as well. Kyle Fuller is still out there a guy that had a very disappointing season with the Denver Broncos last year, signed a one-year contract for 9.5. Hey, listen, Kyle, we got the opportunity of you possibly, possibly coming here and earning a starting spot. That, I'm sure, would be tantalizing
2: you're Quentin Harris there. A couple of sound bites. It's episode 29 of the Day Pash podcast featuring the Cardinals' Vice President of Player Personnel, Quentin Harris. It's available now to catch up on past episodes. Follow the Day Pash podcast via your preferred podcast provider and get the latest updates via Twitter at Pash Pod. Some great stuff on the draft. And if you notice, I didn't mention offensive line as a kind time sign. That's because the Cardinals are bullish on especially a couple of guards they got and day three and if you're looking for the rookie you might have the quickest path to reps and actual game time right away it might be the running back in round six out of usc we'll cover all that and talk about the cardinals big road trip to mexico city it is now official it is the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert we are santan ford
0: Shot into the end zone here. Johnson and lead to the left, Bolden and Fitzgerald to the right. I'm the back to help protect Josh McCown. Third
3: and one of the 17. McCown back to throw, gonna lock into the end zone, far side. Fitzgerald goes to Pipko!
1: Arizona! Harry <laughs> Fitzgerald with his second of the year!
2: How about that, day Pash? Yes, that was from Mexico City circa 2005 first year on the air together as a collective voice of the arizona cardinals and all these years later ron wolfley i would say in my humble opinion that mexico city road trip is still top five all time in the nearly two decades we've been doing this would you
0: agree or disagree yeah ball i would agree right there it's interesting to hear the bird dave pash very interesting ball yes. calling that right there you know and i t- every time you bring up mexico city you know what i talk about Okay, the, the first thing I think of is every time they kicked the ball off, they went nuts. Remember that ball? The crowd went nuts every time. Neil was it Neil Rackers yes. back then? Yes. When you see the ball off and kick it off, ball the crowd would explode, and you knew kickoff.
2: you. You knew that was going to happen because we're doing the pregame show. It's two hours before kickoff, and there's already 50,000 people in their seats. And as the kickers and punters are warming up, the crowd's going nuts. Anybody who kicked a pigskin. Got a standing ovation because, you know, it's soccer crazy. I mean, it is hallowed ground, Estadio Azteca, when it comes to football, right? And when it comes to yes. soccer and what they call football in Mexico. And it's going to be Monday Night Football, Week 11, November 21st. Buck and Aikman on the call. So there you go. That's official now. Estadio Azteca, Cardinals, and 49ers. The remaining schedule comes out next Thursday, May 12th.
0: And, okay. Paulie, you know how cavernous – Estadio Azteca is right. Oh, my goodness. That is the other thing, too. How cavernous. That is a huge structure.
2: I've been on the sidelines in Ann Arbor at the big house, and Estadio Azteca dwarfs it in a lot of ways. It is ginormous. It's just an amazing (laughs) sight. And... It's higher elevation than Flagstaff. Keep that in mind. That's why Neil Rackers wanted He had six field goals in that win against the Niners in 2005. He wanted a shot at a 70-yard field goal.
0: Yeah, that's He was convinced
2: (laughs) because of the light air. He was convinced he was going to drill a 70-yard field goal. He never got the opportunity.
0: Yes, and of course, he had the fans behind him to do that, Paul, and you know it.
2: Yep. So, uh, if you don't have your day three Arizona Cardinals draft picks memorized, okay, I got you here. Uh, Keontae Ingram, a running back out of USC in round six. Lucita Smith, also in round six. Uh, the guard out of Virginia Tech, 6'3", 314. Then in round seven, he had three picks. Chris Matthew, this 6'2", corner out of Valdosta State with an 80-inch wingspan, by the way. And by the way, Valdosta State currently has two active corners in the NFL, including Kenny Moore of the Colts, if you didn't know that. Jesse Lucetta, the linebacker out of Penn State, uh, he was in round seven as well, might be inside, might be outside. And then Marquise Hayes, the guard out of Oklahoma, 6'5, 318. All he did was start his final 37 games at left guard for Oklahoma, and he was second team all Big 12. But if I was to ask you which one of those guys you think might have the quickest path to real action in a game, who would you say?
0: Yeah, you know what, paulie honestly. Uh listen, it's not like I've sat down and watched an awful lot of tape on these guys, but can I just say right now the the person that i'm most interested in is number 215 lasita smith Mm. okay oh did you hear what he said after paul he just wants a chance he wants the chance to be able to compete and start. He wants the chance. He just wants to be given the opportunity. Guess what, Lucidus? You're going to get that opportunity. He's going to get that opportunity to compete and to make the team and make the roster. He's going to be given that opportunity. And when you hear a guy say that, man, that's intriguing to me, Paul. Right? (laughs) The confidence level that he displayed.
2: He told the media, and you're going to like this quote, I pack a punch in the run game. I come off the ball with a lot of power. That was Lasita Smith. Yeah. Here's, here's Quentin Harris, the VPO player person on the Pash Pod, when he was asked about the Cardinals' six-round pick out of Virginia Tech.
3: I really like uh, Lasita Smith, our guard we took out of Virginia Tech. This guy is athletic. Uh, he's an excellent puller. He's tough. He's physical. And a lot of times, you know, you watch NFL linemen and you're like, eh, he's tough, he's strong, but he's slow-footed. This guy is everything. He was a steal, in my opinion, for us. He's one guy that once he gets his opportunity, it's it's going to be tough to remove him from the seat. And I think, you know, his temperament, and again, when we talk about bringing these A and B football characters guys in, he's one of those
2: guys. He's a former high school tight end who was moved <laughs> to offensive line, hence the feet. And, and, Wolf, I don't know how you, you really diagnose the right guard position right now, but if you're looking at Will Hernandez, obviously. Yes. But then you have Justin Murray, who you figure is going to be healthy by the time training camp rolls around. So I, I don't know how you handicap that right guard spot or how wide open it might be.
0: You know what, Paulie? Uh, once again, um, I think Will Hernandez is going to be given the opportunity, day one, to go out and win that job. And I think that he will. But it doesn't mean that there's not going to be some type of competition. Uh, Justin Murray, you bring that up. That's a great, to me, that was a big loss for the Arizona Cardinals. And I know nobody's going to say that, Paulie. Nobody's going to say it. But you know, Paul, because you were there. You saw that. You were on the sideline. Yes, indeed. The sideline reporter with a belt-high perspective. You saw it, though, Paul.
2: Let me say this. You know what I saw? I saw a quarterback who didn't have confidence in the right guard position.
0: Mm. That's
2: what I saw. Mm -hmm. And it had a big effect, especially when they played the Rams those last two games.
0: And here's what I like, Paulie, about what Lasita Smith said. I like the fact that he was saying he fancies himself to be a brawler. Okay, now I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he was saying, and you already hinted at this his strength he felt was in the run game. Yep. Coming off the ball, baby, doing it with a dark heart and a painted face, coming off the ball and ripping the bloody knuckles up through somebody's face mask. That to me is what gets me fired up because you're not going to say that unless you really believe. That about yourself. You're not going to say it because guess what, Lasitas? We're all going to find out. We're going to get a great opportunity to find out if you're really going to do that. And if you're not going to do it, why would you say it? I don't think Lasitas Smith was saying anything that was ridiculous. I think he was stating what he believes he is. And that's the thing I can't wait to see. Let's see it in training
2: camp. All right, so who's my day three pick? Right to <laughs> yeah, right. get get you know. Thanks for asking yeah, well, me. Right, day three who pick, is your
0: day three pick? Keontae
2: Paul? Ingram, the running back out of USC. Just the fact that you can't you can't run James Conner into the ground, and that backup running back spot I think is wide open. And when this kid comes in, at six foot two twenty. He considers himself quote a true three down running back big time recruit who went to Texas and then transferred to USC, a bigger back who can run between the tackles, can move in space, can catch the football, I think, especially at that position where we've seen rookies assimilate right away to the NFL. I think Eno Benjamin and Jonathan Ward, they have a competition on their hands from Keontae Ingram.
0: Once again, why would you get a guy that big, Paul? Why would you why would you not get a guy more like Chase Edmonds as opposed to James Conner? Why why would you do that, Paul? I'd are you going to go ahead and read into that? Is that what you're saying, Paul? You're saying the guy's six foot, 220 pounds can run the ball in between the tab. Yeah, that's what I would say. This is, this is all pointing to a more traditional, more use of a more traditional, more power schemed offense. Now are we going to see it? I don't know, but Paul, I keep thinking of the Tennessee Titans and blending 11 personnel. With The the new era offense with 12 personnel and the more traditional offense. I'm sorry, but that's what I think of. The Tennessee Titans and their offense, which is killer when they do it right. Is that something that Cliff Kingsbury could scheme up for Kyla Murray in this offense? Yeah. Based on what we're seeing in the signings, yes. I think that's what we could see.
2: By the way, when the Cardinals go to Nashville for that joint practice with the Titans, man... There's gonna be a lot of storylines. I mean, the Titans right now are tracking to have the most drama of any team in the league with this whole Ryan Tannehill situation and Malik Willis coming in, and I'm not gonna mentor him and and then he he's not showing up for the OTAs because he has a quote home renovation he's seen too. So Ryan Tannehill, the franchise quarterback, hasn't been there. And now there's reports from Adam Schefter that they actually tried in the offseason to trade for Aaron Rodgers or try and get Deshaun Watson instead of Ryan Tannehill, who by the way, there's no guarantee money coming his way next season so they're looking to pull the trigger you know the the hook on him so you watch that whole week is going to be really interesting that joint practice against the Titans
0: yes Bali. and by the way if in fact I did have plans of combining that 11 and 12 personnel the old and the new man why not go practice against those guys that would make a lot of sense yes
2: rookie minicamp by the way is next weekend, uh, starts a week from today or so. Special thanks, as always, uh, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. Special thanks to Marquise Hollywood-Browning and Wolf. You've met him before. My guy, Jules. Can I give him a shout-out? Right now, he's at mile 188 (laughs) in the Cocodona 250, which runs across Arizona. Ultra marathoners doing 250 miles. Go for it, Jules. (laughs) It's been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan
1: Ford in Gilbert.